I Googled St. Lucy and there's all these pictures of this woman with her eyes in her head, but there's also, she's just carrying this dish with two eyes. And there's two, there's two stories. One is where she had her eyes removed as a form of torture. And there's another story where she took her eyes out because there was a guy who was just like pursuing her too heavily and just like, dude, chill. This Females of History podcast, where we tell stories of women you should know about. My name's Erin. I'm Talissa. And I'm Lucy. Yay, Lucy. What you got? I have Olga of Kiev. Now, do you guys know anything about Olga of Kiev? Actually, yes. Yes? No. Oh, <laughs> like who? Chicken Kiev? No. Yeah. Yeah. Now, also, Olga. Olga is, um, I've been so excited to tell you guys about lovely Olga since I found her, there was one quote that just got me. Um, and I've actually, I went through it with a, with a mate the other day and gave her nightmares. So trigger warning, it gets pretty gruesome. Ooh. But she's a saint as okay. well. So like, just, just, just to start off, what do you normally think of when you think of a saint? Because like, I Googled, I Googled. So I was like, all right, saints, very, very pious people die in horrible ways. But Olga is a saint. <laughs> Olga of Kiev is, there's a few lessons in here. The first one is why you shouldn't murder a Russian woman's husband with a tree. So. Oh, classic lesson. Meet <laughs> Olga of Kiev. I'm taking notes. Saint and inspiration for French band Gorod's death metal album, A Perfect Absolution. Now I have this ready here for you. It's called Birds of Sulphur. This is based on Olga's story. I want it to. Appear. <laughs> I'm rocking. And it's based on this book. Look, story. people are into it. People, they're into, are it. into it. But you know what? I, I heard the song, and I'm telling you, this the research for this one took me in all different directions, and I googled the lyrics. So it's called "Birds of Sulphur." Um, Redemption always comes from the sky. There's no escape. They deserve to perish. Pain and torch will open the gates of mass delirium. Strike all the cowards to the ground. Their cursed souls shall never rest. Let my wrath spread among the infidels so eager to murder their king. Um, I can keep going, but you Beautiful. Look, I dated someone that fell asleep to screamo music. So. Really? That oh. is so problematic. Yeah, well, I should have known that earlier. That should have been a real red flag. <laughs> yeah. And if you told us, we would have told you it was a real red flag. Hey, it's art, right? People are into art. People are really into it. And apparently these guys picked her story because they thought it was just so interesting and they wanted it to be more, um, to have a story attached to it. And the track listings are insane that there's songs called um, Carved in the Wind, 5,000 at the Funeral, spoiler alert, Tribute of Blood. Anyway, that's, that's kind of what, that's how some people see Olga. So Olga was born somewhere between 890 and 9. 125, which is, for those who struggle with maths, a 35-year time period. But apparently no one really cared that much where she was born in Peskov, which still exists today in Russia. But at the time, it was part of Kievan Rus. Now, Kievan Rus was more or less modern-day Belarus, Russia and Ukraine. But it wasn't really it wasn't really a state. It's kind of more of a loose collection of tribes and cultures they were also pagan so the people believed in gods like Perun, Zors, Darjbog, Strubog, Simagul and Mokosh 
There's a Perrin is like Thor. Veles is the god of horned livestocks. Scottybog of wealth and of the underworld. So there's some pretty cool <laughs> gods going on, you know. Um, and just to kind of paint a picture, gunpowder is like literally just been invented around China. Um, we're looking at people wearing a lot of wool, kerchiefs, scarves, and kind of picturing everyone sort of covered in a bit of a layer of mud at all times. I've got swords at this stage, but it's it's fairly um like it's very, very, very long ago. <laughs> it's a bit brutal. It's a bit brutal. Yeah. So Olga is rich. She marries Igor, potentially in nine hundred and twelve, which, if you've been keeping up, could also be before she was born. Now he was son of um Rurik, who was the founder of the Rurik d- dynasty. So he's he's the prince and he's gonna become the king. Um, Igor's dad dies, Rurik dies, and and this is also kind of unrelated to the story, but it's too good not to put in. This guy called Oleg, who is apparently a seer, is told to like look after um, Rurik's son, Igor, and the region. And Oleg c- can see the future, so you know there's like there's a, bit, a couple of questions about this this history. And he they figured it out because he knew that someone was trying to poison him with a drink, and he's like, no, that's poison, and he didn't drink it. Anyway, he gets this prophecy that his stallion is going to be the death of him. And so he's like, all right, I see you. Um, mate, can you take my stallion to a farm and can you look after the stallion um, until it dies? Like, give it a nice life. Like, I love this horse, but obviously I have to pay attention to this warning that this horse is going to kill me. Now the horse goes away. Many years later, he's like, so what happened to the horse? And the guy's like, oh, the horse died. Yeah, the, uh, had a good life, died. And Oleg is like, oh, like, I'd really like to go see the horse now that it's dead. And he's kind of, I think he's a bit sad, but he's also laughing at fate a little bit. And he goes to see the horse. And um, for some reason, the horse hasn't been buried. Or maybe the skeleton is just there or they dig the horse up. I don't know. There's questions. More dramatic that way. Yeah. But he, some say that he kicked the horse's head as like a ha 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 fate. I have gotten the better of you. Others say that he just like stepped on it. But there's a. <laughs> Technicality. There's a snake inside the skull uh-huh. which bites Oleg and then he dies. <laughs> Drama, roller yeah. coaster, twists and turns. <laughs> so that's that's Oleg. He's looking after Igor. Olga marries Igor. Now the Rurik dynasty is in control of Kievan Rus and they're also descendant from Vikings. Actually, a lot of people in this region are pretty closely tied cool. to the Vikings. Yeah. Right? So she's in Kiev with Igor. And these guys have a bit of a love-hate relationship with their neighbours, their Western neighbours, the Drevlians, which the, the Drevlians means people of the trees. And they're definitely frenemies. So they fought together against the Byzantine Empire, but in the last few years, the Drevlians have stopped paying tribute to um, Igor. He's the ruler. And do you guys know what tribute is? I volunteer as tribute. Really great song. Um, <laughs> tribute. Yeah. So it's it's like a very very early type of tax. Cool. The idea is they pay the tribute and then um, Igor and his army will keep them all safe. Right. Pretty much. Like that's the. So basically, how countries work now. With tax. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. But the difference is that rather than that being that coming to the central area, so like the seat of power, which was Kiev. Igor and his army would kind of go from region to region to region. They go around and they collect the tribute from all their different kind of tribes that form this loose collection of Kievan Rus. Only issue is that the Drevlians have stopped paying the tribute. (gasps) Yeah, 
which is embarrassing for Igor because he's like, this is the whole idea of being a king. Like my, my thing is to get the tribute. And if they're not giving me the tribute, like this is really embarrassing. Like ooh, my reputation is on the line. Yeah. Um, <laughs> not giving me my tribute. <laughs> Seriously, that's what he's like. So he throws himself on the bed. <laughs> he gets pissed off and he's like, I need to get these guys to give me their furs and their honey. So in 9.45, he goes... Every time you say these years, they sound in like... In the morning? Times. <laughs> yes. At 9.45 a.m., we don't know what year because they weren't paying attention. <laughs> it's the 90s. They kept out surprisingly detailed records. Um, <laughs> back in the 900s. Um, so in 9.45, he goes to the Drevlians in the capital of Iskorosten, which is today's Korosten in northern Ukraine. And he has a big old army. So the Drevlian's like, okay, we'll give you your furs and our honey. And they, they give them the stuff. And you're like, okay, like sorted, you know, problem solved. Like you you got your tribute, reputation's been restored. Except partway back home, Igor decides that he wants more. He's like, you know, these guys have been paying for years. Like I deserve more. Like it's kind of embarrassing that they still only gave me that. I'm just kind of imagining this, you know, this like, guy clad in furs just like on his horse and like spiraling like are they talking about me like they're totally <laughs> laughing at me Having oh my god like, yeah he's he's full-on spiraling so he sends the tribute back to to kiev and then he turns back around and goes to iskarostin with a smaller group to ask for more now here the details get a little bit murky some say why. that the, yeah because it's 945 so um, 945 <laughs> so some say that the drevlians after being like intimidated by the army they're pretty trigger happy um others just say that they're really freaking pissed off they're like we just paid you can you not like just ride back like just leave us alone anyway igor does not secure the bag the drevlians kill him in a very middle ages way now just a warning this is pretty nuts the way that they do this. So they get two birch trees and it's kind of apt because these guys are the people of the woods um, and they bend one of them down. And the thing about birch trees is they're quite bendy. Mm-hmm. And so they've got it in the top and there's a picture of this. They just kind of pull it down and they tie that tree to Igor's leg mm-hmm. slash arm. Details differ. And then they tie, yeah. Yeah, they tie the other one to the other tree that they've bent down and then they let them go there's only one and he's ripped in part ripped apart that's theatrical that's it's horrific and it's also symbolic symbolic because these are the people of the trees and it's also kind of symbolic of like you know if you if you make something bend for so long and they fucking snap and then they tear igor and english teachers apart the metaphors there yeah (laughs) yeah so that's what happens olga now she's got a three-year-old son by the way Getting back to this uh, difficult timeline. So at this stage, she has a three-year-old son, which if you have been keeping up, means that Olga could have been as old as 52 when she had a son. Okay. Depending on when in that 35-year time period she was born. Or she got married before she was born. Yeah. Either way, there, there's there's some questions about the dates. Okay. Like, yeah. Married before she was born? It's impossible. I think it's just... was the birth date or something? 9.30 she was born or something like that? She was born either in between 8.90 to 9.25. But maybe that's how they did it back and then. And then she would married Igor apparently in 912. <laughs> <laughs> no, but maybe that was their like, their bumble. Like, oh, you're going to have a daughter, right? They bought the baby off the plan. Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. It's really fucked up. <laughs> I don't think that, that, I don't think that, that happened. I don't have any... I, don't, I think that, that this is just some... 
historical Clerical quirk era. where they haven't they haven't gotten it right. <laughs> um, yeah. So and her, she's got this son, this three year old kid called Sivatoslav. Um, Sorry again, <laughs> Sivatoslav, <laughs> little Svat. So she's got a three year old son. Her husband has just been killed horrifically and she's kind of like, oh, God. And to a lot of people. (laughs) That's very subtle. God. Oh God, that's not a oh, gee whiz. That's a choice, isn't it? I've made a choice there. Well, look, you can't control the situations, but you can oh, control how God. you respond to them. <laughs> anyway, so it looks like she's in this um, really nasty predicament. It looks like she's in a very weak situation where suddenly these people that were meant to be respecting her husband have killed him, and it's like the logical thing would be for her to get married again. Now, Prince Mal of the Drevlians. He, uh, so he's in charge of people who killed her husband, is like, mm, I'm going to add insult to injury. I'm going to marry this this broad. I'm going to marry her. What's really sad, the reason that I picked this story was I've been trying to pick stories based on books that I'm reading and I just finished um, the Grishaverse series, which is set in this kind of Russian-esque cool. um, setting. And there's a guy called Mal who's one of the main characters and he's beautiful and like this awesome character. And it's just really sad because this Prince Mal is horrible. And it's just weird cognitive dissonance for me. But are you alright? I'm fine. We can unpack it. Talissa's <laughs> <laughs> like she looks disgusted. Like, She's using so many names. <laughs> the names. Where I'm like I'm getting lots of names. I'm like watching. Her, I'm watching Lord, um, Game of Thrones. I feel like I'm watching that. I'm keeping up. But if I tune out for one second and come back, I'm going to be lost. I get you. You're saying it's like when you when someone has a kid and they're like a preschool teacher or a prime or a teacher and they have a student in their class who is terrible, so they can't yeah. call their kid that name. I know. And it's horrible because, like, the Mal in the book is this beautiful character. Sad. And this Prince Mal is, I think, like, several hundred a millennia before this one. Anyway, I'm going to get back onto the story. Myself. I do have an Uncle Mal as well. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I think he counts. <laughs> He's an all right bloke. A moment for Mal. <laughs> so he proposes to her. He, um, he's like, hey, lady, I killed your husband. You don't have a husband. I don't have a wife. Why don't we do this thing? Yeah, like <laughs> let's let, let's solve this problem. Um, and so these guys go to her in Kiev. Prince Mal's men go to her in Kiev, and say like, oh, our, "Our guy wants to marry you." And <laughs> she says, "Giving you very clues to get to that." You probably thought this guy we just what? Yeah, like it's not like he's flirting. Like he's just <laughs> murdered me. Marry yeah. you now. <laughs> it's very okay. it's very forward. She's um, not picking up what he's putting down. And she says, and most of most, but just as a side note, most of this comes from this Russian text called the print, uh, the primary chronicle. Anyway, and that records her saying, your proposal is pleasing to me indeed. My husband cannot rise again from the dead, but I desire to honor you tomorrow in the presence of my people. Now, so she's kind of saying, I'm going to go for this. Like, I, I, I think this is a good idea, but my people, like, they're not, you're going to need to try harder to impress them. And so she says, return now to your boat and r- remain there with an aspect of arrogance. I shall send for you on the morrow and you shall say, we will not ride on horses nor go on foot. Carry us in our boat and you shall be carried in your boat. Something smells fishy. Mm-hmm. That it's not just the river. No. So they're like, okay, like the bit odd but you know like local traditions we will we'll respect them because she seems really nice like she's gonna marry our, our prince um, <laughs> and then the next day the um the kievans come and and the drevlians are like you must carry us in in our boat to see olga and they're like mm, okay and they pick them up all these men in the boat 
and then they carry them to Olga. But what's happened is overnight Olga has gotten her people to dig a motherfucking trench. And so they're carrying these guys in the boat and they're kind of like waving at people going like, <laughs> like we're in a boat. <laughs> and it feels like Aladdin's Prince Ali song. Yeah, a little bit. Not any more than that though because Disney will sue us. But I can just see the <laughs> They will sue us. They will definitely sue us. Wow. And then they just toss these guys, boat and all, into the trench. And these guys are kind of trapped under the, under the boat and they can't get out and they start filling the trench with dirt. And Olga looks over the side of the trench and she asks whether they find the honour to their taste as she buries them alive. Mike, drop. <laughs> oh, that's only the first of many. So she sends a letter to Prince Mal and says, you sent me like your subpar men. Like if you're actually trying to marry me, you need to send me your best men. Your so enemy. he sends her <laughs> more men. Now the second group of men arrive and they're apparently they're, they're just they're just like where are the other guys like they're not they're not they're just not they're like mm, mm, mm. <laughs> <laughs> under the dirt what yeah are you, I just are banging it just it just seems like <laughs> suspicion and paranoia weren't things that existed back uh, in this in this so era completely right. over there so these guys arrive and they meet Olga and Olga is like oh you come to me covered in dirt and mud like off the road like how how dare you like I will attend to you, but first you must wash yourselves, yourselves. And it's like, oh, I have prepared baths, go clean up and then we will dine. Okay. And I'm picturing this kind of like a sauna. So go to have a sauna. And while they're in the sauna or the bathhouse, the Kievans hammer the doors closed, lock them in. And, you know, like this part of the history, there's a lot of wooden buildings and they light the bathhouse on fire Whoa. and kill them inside. Now at this stage, Prince Mal isn't. He's not. He's not. It's not quite twigging for him yet that he he's hasn't best checked Twitter. No, he's not. He's like, mm, I'm like, I'm just, I'm just waiting. But it's all right. I'll go do some other things. <laughs> and she messages him, and she's like, All right, I have accepted your proposal. But what I want you to do first is I want you to prepare a great feast, great quantities of mead in the city where you killed my husband, so that I can weep over his grave and hold a funeral feast for him. Like that's only fair. If I'm going to marry you, let me grieve my husband, Igor. Funeral and wedding. Yeah, 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 yeah. Don't have to get changed, just... (laughs) Yeah. So they go to the tomb and she cries and there's all these men are there and she's there with her men as well and they have great quantities of mead, except no one seems to notice that the Kievans just aren't drinking as much. They get them so drunk that they can't really even fight when she kind of does the signal. And bro, is strong. And bro, this sounds like Game of Thrones. It sounds like Game of Thrones. It's very gay. I think the Game of Thrones is based off a Scottish wedding, but this is very Game of Thrones. And yeah, they kill everyone. And apparently there's like 5,000 people die and she's just like egging them on is like they're slitting throats left, right and centre and I will need to do – I did do a trigger warning. It's fine. Um, cheering them on, being like, yeah, kill them, kill them all. And that's – that's that's not the end of it. So she has killed. She just killed five thousand so people. Red wedding them. She just red wedding them. Red yeah. funeral. Like them. the reigns of Castamere mm. are playing in the background, and it's all nasty. But she's not done yet. She's like, no, nah, she's not. She's, she's not done just yet. Rolling up her sleeves. 
So she decides she's going to go to war. And at this stage, because she's, she's not quite the leader, she's the regent. So she needs yeah. her son, little, little um, Sivatoslav, to start the, start the battle. And so apparently they say, and some say that he's in his teens, some say he's like 10, some say he's three, like he's, 30. he's, he's a kid, he's, he's young, but they need him to cast the first arrow or spear. And apparently he does that and it like barely clears the horse's head and it's kind of pathetic, but they're still <laughs> like, it's on. And they, they, um, they route the Drevlians, drive them back into Iskarosten. They then besiege the city for a year until they're tired and they're hungry and she asks them, why do you persist in holding out? All your cities have surrendered to me and submitted to tribute so that the inhabitants now cultivate their fields and their lands in peace. But you had rather tired of hunger without submitting to tribute. And eventually they say, look, we would submit to tribute, but we, we're pretty sure that you're still pissed off. So like we're not coming out of our city because you're just going to kill us. Now she answers and she says, okay, all right, I, I see where you're coming from. We're tired. You're hungry. I, I get it. We've kind of, you don't have any money, honey, furs or wool or silk. Like we, we've kind of, yeah, we've put you in a really bad situation. But, you know, I've, I'm, I'm done. I'm happy to call it a day. And she says, just give me three pigeons and three sparrows from each house. Now the Drevlians are like, all right, we'll take that deal. Like, that's fine. She's, she's kind of, she's. I'm just imagining deal or no deal with the suitcases. <laughs> yeah, we'll take that one. Deal. It's like the money, Andrew. Yeah, Thank yeah, you yeah, much. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I, just the concept, I the concept of people <laughs> rounding up their three not favorite pigeons. <laughs> yeah. Not Larry. You can't take a Larry. <laughs> yeah. Three pigeons and three sparrows. And they're like, yes, oh, awesome. Like, that's such a small price. That's really surprising. <laughs> and, well, she gets the birds. And she's like, thank you for your birds. Which is like, I mean, they must have thought she was nuts as well. Because she's like, give, give me your birds. Only by next. <laughs> like, only at this point they thought she was nuts. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Her husband was just ripped apart by trees. I'd be pretty freaking mad. <laughs> I'd be demanding more than three pigeons at three sparrows. I'd be demanding a hell of a lot more. Yeah. Some serious you- therapy, please. <laughs> She gets the birds. <sighs> she gets the birds. Three pigeons and three sparrows from each house. She ties, and, and her people, I imagine, because this would be a lot of work, um, pieces of sulfur in cloth to the bird's legs. And sulfur is highly flammable. Mm-hmm. And then what she does is she lets the birds go. And they fly back to Iskarostin. Homing pigeons. And they burn down every house. She is so dramatic. But what's interesting is this. This is real. She is. She is. She is the original fire starter. <laughs> oh my god, fire starter! I just can't believe one person was had so many theatrical ideas. I oh, you know. It's quite impressive. It wasn't. She so was. Yes. Look, I was going to say this at the end, but I feel like it probably is worth saying now. She is like apparently Cersei from Game of Thrones is based on Olga. I can see that. Yeah. Because oh, she just doesn't stop. Cersei ain't got nothing on Olga. Oh, my God. Olga's, Olga is something else. Yeah, and then they, they try to escape and they're, they're just killing everyone who tries to escape or they're taking them as slaves or they're – yeah, it's not nice. But I was Googling this and this this kind of – this strategy has been used um, again. Um, have you guys heard of the bat bombs? So the bat bomb was conceived by a dental surgeon just after the attack on Pearl Harbor back in 1942. And he wrote to the White House about it um, because he knew that most of the buildings in Tokyo were made from wood. 
when he was like, if we could get like time release little tiny little bombs or tiny little just things that could start a fire based on a timer and attach them to bats, they we could let them go. The bats would roost and they would burn Tokyo to the ground. And President Roosevelt approved the um oh. the plan. Yeah, and but he also said, this man is not a nut. It sounds like a perfectly wild idea, but it is worth looking into. So that's the bat bombs. Yeah. Um, Do you know that these people, just channel this creative genius, Olga, bat bomb man, <laughs> Batman, if you will. If they just channeled this creativity into something more, but they could really do cool things in the world but instead they're really fucking scary and if they just channeled it just pivot just channel it you can just see this guy with like he's like i have a plan for the bats <laughs> <laughs> so how many people who have killed at least five thousand people do you think become saints oh yeah oh, i forgot <laughs> that she was supposed to be a saint so she um looks after kiev after this until her son until spitz love reaches his majority and um and doing so, she actually changes the way that this region works. So she's kind of realised that there's a problem with the tribute structure because she's like, I think Eagle probably got a bit too greedy and that's why he got torn apart by birch trees. And what she does is she establishes different, more like ambassadors that kind of go to all of the regions and live there. And then they collect the tribute from the locals and they kind of have a better relationship and they sort of know who has what and who can afford and that sort of thing. So it's kind of one of the first more developed systems of tax mm-hmm. in that area and she also she builds more forts she solidifies trade centers hunting outposts but yeah changing the tribute system was one of the first major legal reforms in that part of europe now then she goes to constantinople in the 950s to visit emperor constantine which is apparently three or so years after the after she defeated the drevlians now it's not really clear why she went to constantinople but Things get interesting when she's there. So the histories also disagree. Some say that it was 100% just a political sort of thing. Others say that the emperor loved her and wanted to marry her. So she goes there and she doesn't really want to marry him. Like she's just not not interested for, for probably quite a few reasons. And if he's learned anything he, about her history, don't run. ask. <laughs> yeah, I know. Run, run, run. run. <laughs> Take run. your pigeons and leave. <laughs> Yeah, don't leave any pigeons where she can find them. But she's got a plan. So he wants to marry her. He's very, very, very powerful. And she's like, you could not marry me. I am a pagan. I believe in like like Perrin, the, the, the thunder god, and that and, and Scotty Borg and that sort of thing. And he's like, true, 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 true. So he's like, we can, but we can fix that. That's not, that's not too big a challenge, babe. Then she gets baptized with the emperor himself acting as her godfather. And well, yeah, he acts as her godfather during the baptism, and um, but wants to marry her. But he wants to marry her. But so he's like marry her godfather. You've talked to me that time. He's like he's like yeah he's kind of like her spiritual guardian then. Yeah, but well, you're right. So she she gets baptized and then she goes to him and she's like ah, oh, it's just it's such a shame you know with the whole me being your goddaughter now, like we can't get married because you're my godfather and that's like that's as you would know in your intelligence that's spiritual incest and then he says and this is the quote that made me want to do this story because it's just so ridiculous that after she outwits him in the most wily way he goes oh Olga you have outwitted me that's all he says and apparently that's the end of that (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh, Olga. Oh, Olga. You've given us like <sighs> battle cries from like Boudicca and you've given us great quotes and now you give us... I just... Oh, oh you silly sausage. <laughs> oh, Olga. Oh, Olga. I've just been... <laughs> it looks at the camera. I've just been Olga. <laughs> so, yeah, he says, oh, Olga, you have outwitted me and then he gives her many gifts of... Gold, silver, silks, and various vases. Yes. He was her godfather and also her daddy. (laughs) (laughs) Who's your daddy? And then he he sends her away, still calling her his daughter. And look, a lot of people say, this is is so unlikely to have actually happened, but sure, we'll believe it. And then she she leaves Constantinople. Oh, that's unbelievable. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And she goes back to Kiev. So she's got all of these presents from him and she promises to send him wax and furs and honey and slaves and that sort of thing which sounds an awful lot like like a trade agreement he sent her back with all of these vases and she's like you give me vases i give you i give you furs like we can we can work something out seems more valuable than the other though i don't know fur to keep you warm in a russian winter or a vase I'll leave that with you. (laughs) (laughs) But she, yeah, it implies that there's some sort of political reason behind the conversion as Mm. well as him wanting to marry her. Mm. And she slowly brings Christianity to Kiev and Rus, but not without a lot of difficulty. So one archbishop has said that they were pretty much impossible to convert, but Olga just, she just kept building churches everywhere. She's like, no, 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 church, church, church. And now Olga also wants to get her son Sivadislav baptized but he doesn't listen to her that's your dream mom, yeah no mom. and he's not yeah yeah no seriously Classic. he's like this this recording says he would not listen to a suggestion though when any man wished to be baptized he was not hindered but only mocked so he's he's embarrassed he's like um like can you stop like <laughs> i don't care about your weird new religion yeah so he doesn't do it but but he's like oh, i kind of we'll kind of accept you we'll, we'll we'll start being a bit more tolerant towards Christians and that sort of thing. Now, while her son was away on military campaigns, she had her grandchildren's ears. So, and this became very, very, very obvious when around a decade after her death in 969, her grandson Vladimir takes the throne and he's like, bam, Christianity is Kiev's official religion. And everyone's like, oh, wow, Olga really got to him. And that's what made Olga a saint with the title of Isapostolos. Um, which means equal to the apostles in 1547. And she was one of only five women to receive that title. Now, her first, her feast day is the 11th of July. And then she's a saint in Orthodox and Catholic churches. So all of them, all of them, they all all love her. They all love her. Um, There's been a bunch of monuments built in her honor. And she is the patron saint of converts and of widows, which I thought was quite funny because her whole thing is like, is this what? The church wants you to do when you become a widow. The Primary Chronicle describes her as Olga was the precursor of the Christian land, even as the day spring precedes the sun and as the dawn precedes the day, for she shone like the moon by night and she was radiant among the infidels like a pearl in the mire, since the people were soiled and not yet purified of their sin by holy baptism. But she herself was cleansed by this sacred purification i mean like it's actually a pretty good ad for christianity you'd be like no you would be you'd be like so you're telling me that there's heaven and there's hell and that if i do the wrong thing i'll go to hell but if i say i'm sorry no matter how big it is i'm good what an interesting it is though that's what confession is yeah but you but that's what i'm like you'd be like oh that's yeah i might as well just convert and then say i'm sorry all the time i'll come i'll do my thing i'll come back 
I'll be forgiven. Yeah. And then it'll fucking never happen. Literally. So yeah, so today she has she's like there's like monuments everywhere um in her honor. Um there's an airport named after her, the Princess Olga Airport in Peskov. There is also the Order of Princess Olga, which is a Ukrainian civil decoration and is bestowed to women for personal merits in state production, scientific, educational, cultural, charity and other spheres of social activities. Which is kind of I mean, not not like if you if you if you have been awarded that decoration, good for you. It's but it's a, it was an interesting person to be tied to. Yeah. Um, Wait, so she queen. was a princess, right? She married I was Prince where Eagle, princess came and then from. Eagle became the king, and she was the regent ruler. Right. Yeah. It'd make a very interesting Disney princess movie. <laughs> oh lord, would it? Yeah. <laughs> Especially because the animals sing in Disney movies. <laughs> like, oh, they'd be singing. They'd be, they'd be singing like this. <laughs> well, thank you very much for that very intense, crazy, awesome story, Lucy. If you thought it was intense, crazy, and awesome, why don't you scroll down a little bit, guys, and just rate it five stars? Super easy, or as many stars as you think. Your choice. And leave a comment because this story is so cool. We want more people to hear it. And that's the way that we get more people listening. So Do it or we'll release the pigeons. <laughs> <laughs> now, you can find us on Instagram at Fierce Females Podcast or Facebook, Fierce Females of History. If you want to get in touch, got any feedback, suggestions, our email is fiercefemalesofhistory at gmail.com. Or you can send us gifts of many vases, silks, furs, gold, honey, beeswax, and we will say thank you. We don't really know what to do with these because we're not, you know, a Dark Ages trade hub, but we will appreciate Dark the Ages thought. Screamo fan. <laughs> or you could write us a beautiful death metal song. <laughs> <laughs>